Where do writers find inspiration? How do you write what really matters to you? I'm joined by Greg Cameron and Matthew Kellil on the Three Wells podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host and film critic, Spling. In this episode, we'll discuss the ins and outs of screenwriting with our renowned guest through the lens of Matthew's book, The Three Wells of Screenwriting. We hope that by taking this journey with us, you'll never be stuck again. Greg Cameron has been a fan of animation since he can remember, starting his writing career as a writer on South Africa's first locally produced cartoon, Urbo, The Adventures of Pax Africa. He went on to direct and write the soccer series Super Strikers, which has since gone on to compete with Star Wars and Marvel shows across hundreds of countries. Greg's also known for Nickelodeon shows Monkey and Trunk, Moosebox, and the talented writer-director will be making his animated feature debut with Triggerfish Studios' latest Seal Team. Matthew Khalil is an author, lecturer, and screenwriter with over 20 years of experience in directing, editing, and writing for film. The versatile and influential writer has continued to sharpen his craft through script editing, acting, and coaching the filmmakers of tomorrow. His inspirational and empowering new book, The Three Wells of Screenwriting, offers a fresh perspective and cross-section of his broad and deep understanding of film when it comes to the writing process. Over to you, Matthew. Thanks, Bling. So here we are with Grieg. Um, hello, hello. I kind of, I know this is an oral medium, but I just kind of have to describe Grieg. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Grieg. You're going to shame me before yeah, it begins. Uh. So Grieg's got like long blonde hair, a little bit like Thor, um, he, but, he, but he's got a moustache that's a bit like Dali, like curled up on the edges. And I kind of, it's very difficult to kind of talk to him for long without looking at the moustache intently and getting, getting lost. And then he's got these, these kind of glasses on. I don't know how, uh, yeah. So, and then he's got a tattoo on his, and I noticed some tattoos as well. So yeah, anyway, that, that's Grieg. So I've known Grieg for some time. Um, Grieg actually was a student of mine back in the day, and I remember very clearly when I read one of Grieg's first writings thinking, okay, this is not a student. This is a writer already. I can't teach him anything. One of the reasons I wanted uh, Grieg on the show was that in my book, I talk about the three different wells, external sources well, imagination well, and memory well. And Grieg is one of the most imaginative people I can possibly imagine. Huh. Grieg just seems to me to sort of, and I guess because he's writing for animation a lot, just is really kind of imaginative. And that, that show that was mentioned in the intro, uh, Super Strikers, I'm a massive fan of Super Strikers. So I wonder if we should pay a little Super Strikers trailer. Do you think we can do that? Should we do, um, can we do that? Or yeah, I'm, I mean, they're not going to hate you for like free publicity. Exactly. Um, let's, let's I, think th- I think there's one where they have like the movie voice guy. The oh, no way. In a world. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Being the best is only well, the beginning. <laughs> let's see if we can find it and then we can play um, it. There is a world. The best is only the beginning. All right, give me everything you got. Run! United, take it out. The strength becomes a weakness, people. The strength becomes the weakness. <laughs> Super Strikers. Already thrilling viewers on these channels internationally, Super Strikers follows the adventures of the world's greatest football team as they travel the globe in search of the ultimate prize. Just stick to my energy-efficient game plan. Heroes have been made, Mac. They sure have, Brenda. House wasn't bad either. Be amused. Whoa. Be amazed. But most of all, be ready, as our all-star heroes meet a diverse cast of friends, foes, and crazy characters. Crazy Eyes, Tiger Pounds. Here's Starak! Disappear. Now, we fight! 
Okay, this rocks! Okay, that was fantastic. You actually got the movie guy. I, I, I like he's a movie guy, and okay. he sounds pretty movie guyish. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if he's the movie guy. Okay, but is but, there a movie guy? Uh, How deep does the rabbit hole go? Super Strikers. Let me just. Uh, I guess I'll jump in there because I enjoy it. So Super Strikers. Um, you probably couldn't tell necessarily from the from the trailer, but it's like a, a football series, I guess, about a team that uh, kind of travel around the world and they're like the kind of reigning team. And it's all the different characters in there, mm-hmm. but really kind of imaginative stuff and. I just want to ask you, I suppose, two things, but I'll start with, was there like Super Strikers before Greek and Super Strikers after Greek? Did it change a lot? I, I think there was like a slight, a sliding scale. Super Strikers started as, as a comic and it was a very realist local comic about uh, Shakes was a young striker in the PSL and he was trying to get his way. And it was like a lot of those things you see in a lot of those football rags to riches shows about like challenges of friends and outside football and then taking on people on the pitch. And and before I was there, I mean, this thing's the institution. I was in high school when Super Striker started. And they had this conscious decision that they they felt that they wanted to make it international and move it more into a kind of weekly, I don't want to say monster of the week because it has a bad connotation of being repetitive, but like weekly crazy opposition teams, almost like an anime sort of uh, Pokemon kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that was already there for a few seasons in the show i joined in season three and i was like yeah you know maybe we can just 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 move it a little bit a little bit weirder bruce leg who's the director and has been a writer since day one we constantly had this battle and one of our big battles was about robot robot soccer players and i was like of course we want to have a robot soccer player um and he was like we had this battle we were watching youtube videos about robot soccer players and they just Robots don't have the ability to stand on two feet and kick a ball, two feet and kick a ball without falling over. But slowly but surely, like I got the worm in, and eventually we had our robot soccer player episode. Yeah, so I mean, I've always come from like a like I've always loved tunes, and the crazier and the the wackier, the better. Uh, admittedly, you know, you can't go full adventure time with a show like Super Strike because it is more based in an action adventure genre, but taking different genre things so we'd have a sci-fi episode where they like they maybe think that there's aliens that it's actually an opposition coach it's a bit of a scooby-doo thing it's always yeah. just the opposition coach or <laughs> yeah. you know, a creepy horror movie kind of scooby-doo episode yeah so you've got these like football player show it used to be realistic quite realistic and mm. now what's the kind of craziest thing that happened in, in one of your episodes like just give me like some some crazy moments that you can remember I seem to remember something about cheese and giant cheese being in a sewer but oh. I don't know <laughs> what's that about I, I don't know if it's like <coughs> if it's an example of like the most nuanced um, most nuanced like writing but a lot of our stuff is location, so we go to all these different places around the world and trying to kind of find stories out of these places that they're going. And in, underneath Tokyo, they have these ginormous uh, stormwater drains called the G-cans, and they're like sort of cavernous, huge spaces underneath the city. And we had this beeline where, where Klaus, who's like our delightfully dithering German player, mm. wanted to buy all these like random gimmicky things for his Aunt Hilda, and everyone's constantly complaining about this is stupid stuff but inevitably like his inflatable cheese block he ends up using to like as a flotation device when the g-cans inevitably flood so it's kind of like backwards engineered all the weirdest stuff Uh, we could put in the episode 
Cool. Um, so basically, for what I'm hearing is like in terms of the the screen three wells of screenwriting, you got these external sources well. So you go and you do your research and you find, oh, there are these underground things in in, in Tokyo, and then mm. your your imagination well kicks in and goes cheese, and you kind of like put them <laughs> together. What happens if we combine like sort of sewers with cheese and then inflatable cheese rafts? Okay, cool, that makes sense. And then suddenly you have this like burst of creativity, and then you have this idea. Is that yeah. kind of what happens? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think it's especially the case in a, in a show like Superstar because it's football based and a lot of our fans are soccer fans so and I'm a, I'm a soccer fan as well so I start off as this place of like oh cool you know what are some weird things I've seen watching the game you know it could be like a you know Cristiano Ronaldo had the knuckleball and we made a whole thing about sort of like the can't shakes learn the knuckleball kind of thing or even you know more weird things like the offside rule or this weird thing where throw-ins people have these powerful Uh there was a guy named Rory Delap who could throw the ball sort of across the length of the field and that's kind of our starting point. And then you just narrativize it and make it super dramatic with the second well, I suppose. Okay, um, interesting. I think I remember that thing about the super throwing guy. Yeah. It seems to ring a bell, yeah, yeah. In terms of the external sources, uh, which which cartoons did you grow up on? What was your, like, your sustenance as a kid? Whoo, here we I mean, go. But don't, I mean, like, like a, let's say top three. Uh, you, you can't make me choose that. I can say oh, yeah. this. Um, <laughs> Sophie's Choice. I watched all cartoons. I remember having this distinct thing where I was like, a show would come on, I'd be like, oh, I really hate this show. Then i just sit and watch it anyway. I mean, <laughs> I think it's partly because, you know, we now grew up in an olden days time where what was on TV was what you had to watch. What I, what I, what I can say is this, is like most kids, the, the, the 80s and 90s, uh, Ninja Turtles, uh, He-Man, Brave Star was my stuff that like, I grew up in and like, act, play-acted with, with wooden sticks and stuff. But the moment where, where it kind of clicked from like, oh, here's a healthy child watching cartoons to like, this may be a slightly obsessive <laughs> thing, came with the, the early Cartoon Network shows like Dexter's Lab and um, Powerpuff Girls. Right? Powerpuff Girls. And specifically, there were these group of Steven Spielberg Presents. He was a producer of these Warner Brothers shows, uh, Pinky and the Brain, yes. Animaniacs, and most specifically Freakazoid. And these were the first shows I saw where they kind of just totally unlatched and everything was possible and all this crazy stuff was happening mm. and it kind of took me from the kid enjoying the narrative of the show to the adult being like whoa they did that and they mm. put that in and they yep. I remember that so well. What's, what's, I, what I really love about what you've just said is like we were stuck in this time where what was on TV was what we watched. Yeah. And what's great about that is that like you get exposed to stuff that you wouldn't normally choose to watch. No, totally. And I kind of talk about in the book about how you should like watch stuff that you don't necessarily are told to watch. Whereas what I find a lot nowadays is like with YouTube and you can you can like Google like okay so I've started and this is kind of really kind of nerdy but I've started getting interested in like magic tricks and stuff. I know it's mm. like very it's late good. for me to do this, but uh, so I've been googling like magic tricks. And so now all YouTube shows me is magic tricks. So yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't like look outside of myself anymore but uh, what I love about the fact that we used to watch stuff that we didn't necessarily want to watch on TV I've never really made that connection before but, uh, but clearly you've like filled your brain um, obsessively maybe with all this stuff which then I think appears in the shows because if I remember correctly there's sometimes almost like a, there's a lot of references in Super Strikers right to like lots of other shows can you tell yeah. me a bit about that that process because that seems to me like an, it's like a kind of External sources well flipping into your um, imagination. I don't know how you would describe it. Especially f- high school and varsity, I kind of became obsessed about that. Maybe it's like a it's like a slightly pretentious endeavor wanting to put as many like avant-garde references in children's television as possible. <laughs> My favorite one being there was a show called on Cartoon Network called The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. And they put a, a blue velvet reference <gasps> where <laughs> the kid's got like lipstick and he's rubbing he's like, oh, no. Don't look at me. <laughs> That's um, terrible. But I, love it. I, I would say that when I started writing professionally 
like I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to put this reference mm-hmm. in, I'm going to put this reference in. And it's a fun thing and it's something that I appreciated but as, as Easter eggs. Mm. But as I've, you know, hopefully grown a bit as a writer, I've realized that that stuff is your last layer of icing yes. and, and good characters and good stories are, are inevitably are ultimately what you need to work, work on first. Absolutely. So, like, it seems to me that, that, that sort of tapping into this imagination well is just something you do, right? I mean, it's just it, like, so if you could speak to writers who are struggling out there, who are like thinking like, oh, man, I don't have much of an imagination. Because people people often say that, right? I mean, uh-huh. I think, is there a secret to this? How do you tap into your imagination well? What, is, what do you do to kind of grow that thing? Is, or is um, it natural? What do you- yeah, I mean, I can... I can only speak to the advice of my, of my betters. Uh, the creator of Father Ted and and the It Crowd uh, was um, um, edited so that sounds like I know what his name is. Okay, we can do that. Maybe we're just stupid. I don't you know. Is, well it, um, Gra- is it Graham Linian? Great Linian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Say Graham Linian. Uh, Graham Linear. But I must tell you that those listening just have to spling look down at his laptop and I was like, yes, he looked he he Googled that. He didn't really, I cheated. He didn't really know it. He cheated. Um, so he he was talking about he actually showed this this idea of like creative recharge, which some ways seems like an excuse to just watch YouTube videos at work, but he he showed a specific scene where where Moss is one of the best characters in the show, like totally messes up this interview on live TV because he accidentally ends up. And there was a real story where that happened. Mm. And this guy was accidentally went in for a job interview or something. And he ended up being put as a guest on the show. And they're like, now the specialist doctor in neuroscience. And the guy's just sitting there being like, uh. So stealing and absorbing as much as possible, mm. I think, is a big part of that, you mm. know. Because some part, I think, that your premise and your original idea is less important than the telling of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So my advice is just watch, watch, steal. Uh, yeah, watch and steal. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I what? think also in terms of just maybe opening yourself up to that playfulness and kind of trying to be as naive as possible. Kids are so creative. Yeah. And opening yourself up to all those senses and stimuli and, and then like, like you said, like just gathering like a magpie, mm-hmm. just picking up all the little things that excite you and the colorful baubles mm-hmm. and then sort of creating something out of all of that because there's just so much of the stuff in between all of those ideas that you can latch onto. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a like sandpit, basically, and you've got all these different things, and then you've, you've got, like, your truck, and then you've got something like a stone, and you're like, okay, let's combine them together. Oh, oh yes, and then the truck and the stone's going to crash on this. It's a meteorite coming, and you suddenly kind of activate your, your imagination by taking uh, two things from the external sources well that you've seen, the truck mm-hmm. and the stone, and you're going to collide them together, and suddenly you've got, mm-hmm. like, ideas. And it just seems, when one does tap into that, that it's endless. Yeah, I mean, and actually, you know, I find the same happens in like a micro scale when you're actually writing, you know. Maybe this isn't the most sort of like thematic and artistic way of doing it. But sometimes I'll throw in something which just seems like a funny side gag. And then I'll be like, hmm, there's another opportunity. And mm. then by the time you get to the end, you realize you can re-engineer that thing. And to, now it's a to, plot, like yeah. a subplot suddenly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, lots of people talk about the vomit draft where mm, you just throw mm, that stuff yes. out and you kind of just like, you left with this this beautiful mess and you can <laughs> shift and move and create something out of that. Exactly, exactly. Can we talk about SEAL Team? Yes, we can. Fantastic. Cool. So SEAL Team is very exciting to me. It's this project that's been going along in South Africa for some time and it's a it's a, it's a feature film animation and uh, it's, it's been a long process and Greg, you know, on board to kind of write and direct. But I know you also started reading my book at a similar time to when you had to kind of dig into your memory well a bit it's super funny because as I was saying to you earlier, like I was struggling with a, with a, with a rewrite when I came to the, to, to the book. So I was first, was first introduced to the memory well, you know, and like for anyone who's tried to rewrite is just like, you know, 
it's all the worst experiences combined. Just like throw throw a handful of sand in your pants, and then like get someone to scratch a chalkboard, and like uh, someone with an authoritative voice to tell you how terrible, what an imposter you are, and it's kind of the experience. And um, the 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 first two wells have never really been like a problem for me. It's actually quite funny because you did the exercise of, hey, let's mm. do these three wells. And first, and you used the example of, of a graveyard mm. and you were like, think of, you know, think of an experience of a graveyard, something you've seen. And I was like, okay, cool. It's a graveyard and like zombies are bursting out of the graves. <laughs> and then you're just like, oh, then add creativity. I was like, oh, right. My two first two wells have just kind of been yeah. slammed together yeah. that like they start at the same place. But the third well, the personal well, the emotional mm. well, I mean, is something that... Um, is, is my is my toughest one and it's been my biggest challenge and like, I suppose my biggest growth with this movie you know partly maybe because of my own sort of closed toxic masculinity or whatever um, which is something yeah, yeah, yeah you know like uh, the guy is telling jokes to hide his feelings you know um, but also because you know TV especially especially like episodic TV you know your world is constant you know mm. your 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 characters can have a journey in there but they're always hard resetting back to themselves you know so the idea of having a like you know a character who forever changes mm-hmm. and all the all the sort of emotional baggage that comes with that is something that i was like looking into myself was not something i was used to and it's it's been a a good experience and hopefully it makes a kick-ass film cool well, well i can see i can hear our hear our, our pr guy like frowning at me it definitely gonna make a kick-ass film <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I, I suppose it's kind of uh, really accessing that sort of vulnerability within yourself and allowing yourself to be shared with the world mm. because it's it's kind of like being naked up on a stage yeah. in front of uh, this huge crowd yeah. because you're really taking a lot of your personal deepest kind of things and trying to translate that into something creative and meaningful to someone else. And to really connect with that audience, they have to yeah. see that vulnerability, that honesty and, and really like resonate. I, I mean, what's quite interesting with that as well and i got to be careful here i got to be very subtle because can't give spoilers of my, of my own <laughs> film that's like Dup! seal team is a story about a young seal on seal island off the off the coast of cape town whose best friend gets eaten by a great white shark and rather than doing what all seals do which is just accept it and go on he forms a military team to fight sharks oh. um so it's like very much in that like rah 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 action adventure comedy thing but this weird thing came out is that that struggle that I had is actually in some ways the struggle of the characters because you used to have this film that starts off with all these action heroes who are, who are, who have hurt, but they're closed and they're dealing with it and they're missioning and slowly, but surely, hopefully they all kind of end up mm-hmm. opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very interesting. Because I was thinking, like, how do you tap into the memory while of a seal who's, who's, who's like, you know, whose best friend was eaten by a shark. But, I remember when my best friend moved away from uh, Cape Town to Joburg mm. when I was like 10 or 12 or something like that. It was like, it was terrible. Like yeah. my world, just kind of like, so, so I could sort of then tap into that yeah. emotion and then write from that perspective. Is that kind of what you've had to do with this one? Not yeah, so I, I, think, I think so to, to a certain extent. You know, I, I, I've, I've kind of reached into, I've reached into my experiences of loss. I can't think of anything that has literally translated mm. across it's a it's a it's a slow process going forward and um yeah the the idea of taking yourself seriously as a writer like i i've been sort of quite opposed to mm-hmm. first of all i think just because my personality and because i'm writing kids tunes you know yeah, yeah and uh and, and I, I don't want to sound like like a bitter former employee and this isn't i was just sort of using the the lit like the figurative former employee not <laughs> the, the way, former just, employee I, i've I, loved I, all the places i love I've that worked. opening um, i don't mean to sound like a bitter former uh, employee but, <laughs> but <laughs> 
I, I think professionally as well, you know, like everyone likes to feel like they've got this this special, they're like a writing wizard and no one can work out how to do this. But I think like employers and, and people often feel like, oh, you're having fun, you're playing. Mm. This isn't a job. I don't need to like, you know, pay you probably. And not even that, you know, just like, it's, it's not treated the same way as like someone who has other technical skills mm. is treated. And, and it is, it's like the creativity is certainly part of it, but like the grinding and the, and the mm. shifting and the working and the technical element is a big part of it as well. You know? So I like to think of it as like, it's a trade. Um, writers are definitely sort of almost like it's, Oh, you just do this thing on the side, but you're right. The, the technical aspect of it is something that I've learned through like years. So yes, uh, my other question. So two other questions when you write, Mm-hmm. Where are you writing exactly? Like, where do you write? <laughs> like, like physically. Yeah, like um, physically. For the most of my career, it's been in an office at a either either an open office or a closed office. The, the closest I got to a writer's room was at um, was at Clockwork Zoo, where Sam Wilson, Sarah Lotz, and Lauren Bierkus have all gone on to be like literary superstars. Mm. So, but even then, it wasn't the full writer's room with where we're sitting on a couch, constantly talking. We're all sitting and we're writing writing scripts. I try at home. It, I, I suck at it so so where, hard. Where at home? Just in, in like uh, in our spare room, okay. uh, and underneath underneath the stairs with like all my guitars and every other distraction known to man like surround <laughs> surrounding me. I find I do my best writing in the fifteen to twenty minutes when I need to be somewhere else. <laughs> if I have like a meeting or like some kind of dinner thing and I have to leave, I'll be like packing my bag with one hand and I'm right hand, oh, this is gold, this is gold. <laughs> and then I get back the next morning and I'm just like, oh, I got nothing. Oh, that's do you Do you ever like record voice notes of ideas and maybe even like scenes, that kind of thing? Um, I do not. What, what I do tend to do, and, and I think this is a, in some ways it's helpful, in some ways it's a bit of a counterintuitive process is that like, I watch my scenes in my head again and again and again. And it can hurt you because if you get so locked into the mechanics and like the nitty gritty of a scene, when you, when you come to a situation, it's like, oh, this character isn't working. Oh, this beat isn't working. To try and disentangle that becomes difficult. But I think sometimes when I'm at a more polishing phase, just, just watching it through and experiencing it in some way helps me. And then if you have to give advice to some writers out there who are stuck, who, who kind of... Um, either have to write like anything, even their own stuff that they want to write or on a show or something like that. What advice would you give to a writer who's who's stuck? You mean stuck in story? Like No, or, stuck or in creativity. So they can't actually access you know, they just kinda well maybe you have never had this experience. I don't know. Have you no, like we, no, I, I do. I do. Okay, um, good. Because sometimes like, you yeah, you you're just stuck. Like you got you know, you're just stuck. Can't even write. Finding finding people to talk to about it, you know? Um like uh, by the time that any of my stuff comes out, my poor wife, like she, she, like I can see her grimacing when like the funniest joke in the whole episode comes out because I've told it to her in seventy-four different iterations. There's a reason why so many writers have partners, and mm. like that. Sometimes it's about about getting advice, but sometimes it's just the act of saying it that helps you helps you talk things through. Like I mean, so many times, especially on on Super Strikers when I was writing with with Bruce, where I'd like. I'd be sitting in my office for an hour, just like, ah, I can't do it. And then I'd burst into his office and be like, Bruce, I need help with this because this is happening and then this happens and this happens. But what if this happens? Thank you very much. And then you, you've gone out again. That my other thing is, is, is to just push through the pain and just keep on going. Because like I was saying earlier, you know, you find those little bits and pieces from writing inside out in some ways mm. that you're like, oh, I can't get this thing to work. I don't know. I don't understand this. Ugh, it's not going to work. And just like, 
I normally do in bold. I'm just like, and then something awesome happens and it links to, and then I just, I go to the scene that I do kind of know. And I know this is more nitty gritty than the overall sort of creative picking your ideas of the stars. I love that. I I mean, I've done that before as well, where you're literally like, hey, I know I want to write this scene because it's really cool. So I'm going to just write and then something really cool happens. And then, and then you write the scene. (laughs) Cool. Well, thanks so much. Um, I think, I think that's close to the end. And we've got a little tradition here. um, Well, I'm calling it a tradition now. Now it's a tradition because we've done it once before. And uh, Grieg is actually the inspirer of this tradition. So um, I have in my bag over here. A little uh, cheese ball. Oh, wow. This is a ball of cheese. Thank you so it's much. It's kind of a hard cheese. It's Apparently, it's kind of, I think it's a Swiss. This comes from Switzerland or something. Oh, goodness and, gracious. And uh, it's, it's handmade in, in Cape Town here by this uh, cheese lady. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a pepper sort of encrusted uh, hardish ball, which you then grate onto. It's almost like Parmesan. You take a knife and you cut it, and it's really, really tasty. I thought you might enjoy it. It looks absolutely amazing. I don't know how I feel about that my writing has inspired you to hand out cheese to every person that comes on your podcast. But uh, this looks pretty delicious and I do like cheese. So it's like a mixed victory, I suppose. (laughs) Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. We have more great guests lined up. So be sure to check in for the next Three Wells podcast. And remember to subscribe for our updates.